0: Welcome back to the Gibbs Spotlight. I'm Camille Germany, Assistant to the Directors at the Gibbs College of Architecture, and today I'm talking with Rachel White. Rachel is an architect, associate, and senior project manager at PBK in Houston, Texas. She is a 2008 graduate from the Gibbs College of Architecture, currently serves on the Division of Architecture Professional Advisory Board, and she gave the keynote address to our graduating class this May. You can watch her keynote address at the at gibbs.oucreate.com in the online convocation post celebrating the class of 2020. Welcome Rachel, I'm so glad to talk to you today.
1: Thank you for inviting me Camille. It was an honor to speak to the graduating class and I'm really excited to have the opportunity today to speak to the broader community within the college.
0: Yeah. You mentioned in your keynote address a little bit about what you do at PBK, and I wonder if you could expand on that here for us.
1: Yeah. In my keynote, I mentioned that I always wanted to design schools. Um, What I didn't realize is when I first moved to Houston, I had landed in one of the fastest growing areas in the country, um, which means that there's actually like a continuous need for new schools. Um, Compared to Oklahoma, where I think, you know, where I grew up in Norman, there was a new school built every, you know, five to 10 years. Um, It's just constant in terms of um, needing new schools and um, new neighborhoods cropping up and uh, new elementaries seem to be cropping up left and right. So in the Houston office of PBK, which is the founding office, we do almost exclusively K-12 design work. In the last year and a half uh, that I've been at PBK, I've had the opportunity to work on a new ground-up elementary school, a high school football press box, a large security upgrades project, and several renovations.
0: Wow. You've been all over elementary (laughs) schools. That's cool. How did your time at OU in the Gibbs College of Architecture prepare you for your career, getting licensed and the unexpected moments or phases you've experienced during your career?
1: I think the most valuable aspect of an architecture education, and particularly at OU, is that you learn what educators now call design thinking. At the time I was in school, I didn't have the term for it, but I was aware of the fact that I was being taught problem solving in a way that I had never experienced before. Um, we were thinking about design problems from a human perspective and applying creative solutions. And I think that that way of thinking has been valuable in every aspect of my life, personal and professional, and really, I think, can allow anybody to adapt. You know, getting a degree in architecture now and you decide you don't want to be an architect, I still think that that way of thinking and problem solving is valuable in whatever direction your career takes you.
0: Yeah. Speaking of adapting, what's changed about your work right now during COVID-19 and what are some creative ways you've been able to adapt? So as a mom
1: of two little boys, I think the biggest challenge has been managing distance learning while also working full-time it was pure chaos at our house for about 10 <laughs> weeks. <laughs> and I don't know that I got particularly creative um, in, in my adaptation to that um, phase of life. Uh, I was just really trying to take one day at a time and, and survive each day. Um, yeah. So I, I think that I was in a phase of life, you know, in the last two months, I would say, where I just had to focus on the fact that that would end (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's just seasons of life. Um, and something I've definitely learned since having kids is that you have to be, you know, accept that you're in, you're just in different seasons of life, um, at different points in your career and in your, um, family life. So I'm not sure that I adapted particularly well, but I guess that's an adaptation in itself to, to be aware of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of us were caught off guard with this pandemic. Um, We were all going about our work, solving problems, and then a huge obstacle was put in our path and we've all had to be a little more creative to solve the normal everyday issues. In your area of focus, are there any common problems or obstacles you have to overcome? And what problems and solutions do you anticipate during and post COVID-19?
1: So obviously, there's a huge focus right now on getting kids back in the classroom. So a lot of thought is going into how to modify the school environment, whether through rethinking how we use spaces um, or, you know, how we make surfaces less, uh, you know, more resistant to um, passing on the virus. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that. There's a lot of thought going into that right now in the architecture community and engineering community. The AIA published a preoccupant or a reoccupancy assessment tool on their site. Um, PBK published a white paper and our, um, the other company associated with PBK, which is LEAF. Um, it's a MEPT engineering firm, uh, that's on the, in the same building as us, and okay. um, we work with them closely. Uh, they published a white paper on, you know, modifying ventilation and doing other upgrades to MEP systems in order to, um, you know, be healthier, have create a healthier environment for students. So that's what I've been reading up on lately and, and focusing on. I haven't actually had a client, um, request those modifications yet. I think that they're still trying to evaluate, you know, what, what kind of investment is worth it, um, when we're not really sure what this is going to look like in the fall. And, um, you know, if, if the students are going to be able to be back in the classroom anyway, I think long-term all of those things will be considered and. an but I think it might need to, you know, it might be a couple years in the making. It might not be able to happen in the next, you know, two months.
0: Yeah. So longer timeline than I think a lot of people are used to dealing with um, and a lot of research and learning that we all have to do.
1: Yeah, I think that there needs to be more research into it um, and... I guess kind of just going with the flow to see even what happens. I I think nobody's really sure yet, um, sure enough yet to put a lot of money into making all these changes or, you know, building, um, building new classroom spaces so that kids can social distance. I mean, that's a huge investment. So um, I've been, so my husband is a principal of a middle school. So like on a personal level, you know, we've been having these discussions really regularly um and that's what he's expressed to me too um that they're just you know they don't know what modifications they need to make in order to create an environment that all the students can be there because they're not sure that all the students can be there even if they did that um yeah you know, the state and local governments are making a lot of those decisions. And so um, I think they're kind of just going with the flow now and we'll just have to adapt as, as it comes.
0: Yeah. In addition to adapting to and fighting the COVID-19 pandemic as a country, we also have a lot of work to do in terms of fighting racial and social justice and Right now, demonstrations for radical change are taking place all across the country, and we're all learning in many ways how we can do better and work for positive change in this area. How do you and your colleagues plan and design with diversity, equity, and inclusion in mind?
1: So I think that there are a lot of things that, particularly urban planners, um, could do to, you know, design with diversity, equity, and inclusion in mind. But, and I could, you know, intellectualize, I think, all day about different ways we can connect people through the design of buildings. But I think ultimately, for me, what's most important is bringing people of many backgrounds to the table in the design process. Um, I'm fortunate to live in Houston, which is um, I think commonly rivals New York as one of the most diverse areas of the country, diverse cities or metropolitan areas, and so we have a lot of diversity here in Houston. And I think, um, you know, fortunately, just as an extension of that, we're able to bring um, people from all backgrounds to the design process in. In one thing that we do at PBK is anytime we are designing a ground up building, we have a multi-day design charrette and we bring stakeholders from the community, teachers, administrators to that design charrette process. And the clients uh, we work with are really cognizant of the need to bring a diverse set of people to the table and, um, you know, I've had the opportunity to interact with people from all backgrounds. Um, I think I've, you know, spoken to more Black female leaders in the last year than I ever did in the, you know, 34 years I I was living in um, Oklahoma, New York and D.C. before that. So I have really had the opportunity to interact with, um, you know, Black people in particular, but also other people of color. And so... I think that that bringing those people to the table is really the most important thing to me. Um, I will say also I've been, you know, recently with the current events, I've been researching and given more thought to what we need to do as a design community. Um, I was really surprised to read that only, I think it's 03 percent of licensed architects are black women which I don't know that why I would have been surprised by that because I've never met a black female architect unfortunately um but it still like kind of shook me to read that and realize that I think we have a lot to do a lot of work to do to bring um female designers um who are black and, and men as well um to be a part of the process um, from that perspective of the designer. But in the meantime, you know, I think bringing the community in to design the spaces that are for them um, is a way that we can design with equity and inclusion in
0: mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shocking number to read, I think, for a lot of people
1: yeah, well, I think that that equates to uh, one article I read. It equated to one hundred and ninety six people wow. total in the entire United States, which wow. once I read that, I realized why I never met anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I really I really hope that that improves over time. And and I'm going to be thinking about, you know, what I can do to support um, young you know, women of color at at OU and um, at the University of Houston, which I've done some work with, um, in order to, you know, get those numbers up, because I think that that's a huge problem.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, You mentioned some of the different articles and papers that you've been reading and that PBK has been putting out. Do you have any favorite design podcast or websites or profiles that are inspiring to you right now or engaging you. Yeah, so in light of the
1: current events and Black Lives Matter protest, I've given a lot of thought to how I can um, listen to people of color, particularly black people more, and engage with them in a way that will make me more you know aware of their struggles and, and able to be an ally. And so one thing is I've actively sought out on Instagram, particularly because that's the social media I use the most these days, um, some black designers. So I have been following um One particular man, Hilton Carter is an interior designer and he uses a lot of plants and it's like beautiful to me. I've been buying more plants and been very inspired by that. Um, And then also Black Urbanist, which I think is just Black Urbanist is the handle. And then Black Space Org, which will profile different Black um, architects and particularly black female architects. You know, I mentioned the the statistic earlier of 0.3%. And so I decided even if I can't meet those women right now, I'd like to learn about them and, and, you know, try to connect with them in any way I can. So I think that, you know, online, fortunately is a great way to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing those. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Um, Where can listeners go to check out the work you've been doing and learn more about PBK?
1: So pbk.com is our
0: website. If
1: you'd like to learn more about PBK, Um, in terms of my particular work and my activities, I don't post too often, but um, on LinkedIn, you can find me there and follow me and I will post about, if there are any articles about projects of mine, I will post them there. Um, I have a couple times in the past, I believe. So you can find my particular projects and activities on LinkedIn.
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to the Gibbs Spotlight. Tune in next time to hear more stories from the Gibbs College of Architecture.